Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Hey, I'm going to invite Caitlin up. She's one of our young people. Give it up for Caitlin. Good, Caitlin. Caitlin's going to read the passage this morning. It's from uh, Matthew 16, 21 to 27. So over to you, Caitlin. Jesus predicts his death. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Thank you, Caitlin. It's great. Thank you. Brilliant. Isn't it great to hear a young person read the word, hey? It's good. Just sounds better. Just sound Battersea Elias, I'm watching you. Stop picking your nose. We've all seen it. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, the, the, um, Battersea is my real home. Uh, it's, they're my real people. It's where I live. It's actually where I live. And so I feel it's really important to, 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 to be in community where we go to church as well. Um, so miss you guys. Be back next week. Um, hey, when was, when was the first time you encountered a cost for following Jesus. Can you remember? When was it like life kind of, you bumped into something and you're like, oh, okay, this is actually going to cost me something. I remember the first time, I grew up in a Christian family, it was pretty chaotic, but they were, my mum and dad loved the Lord, love your mum, love your dad, they they will be watching this, they're proud of me. Uh, Anyway, um, and uh, I decided at 16 I was going to make Jesus number one. In fact, I put up my hand in a very big congregation. You know where the preacher says, close your eyes. You've been there. You might be feeling your heartbeat faster. Put your hand up if you want to follow Jesus. With no eye, every, every eye closed, put your hand up. And, you know, we do that. But this preacher flipped it on its head. He said, hey, I know that you did a bold thing putting your hand up. But, but if, you, if you really meant it, you come down the front right now. And, and so, but he was doing that Pentecostal thing, which I grew up in, a, where I see that hand, I see that hand. Yeah, I see, amen, I see that hand, I see that hand. But only two came down the front. I'm like, hang on a sec, where are all those hands? Like, and then he put a mic in my face and he said, why have you come down the front? And I was timid, I was shy, believe it or not. And, and I was like, and I just, something came upon me because I knew why I came down the front. Football was number one in my life. 16, that's what I lived for. That's what I was pursuing. And he stuck a mic in my face and he says, What's, why have you come down? I said, because I want to make Jesus number one. 
And then I went to football practice because the next week, and my manager said to everyone in the team, if you don't turn up on Friday night and train, you'll be on the bench on Sunday. In fact, you won't play. What happens for me on Friday night? I go to youth. That's my church. So I'm like, wow, okay, this is going to cost me something. So I pull my coach aside and I say, hey, uh, I'm not going to be able to make it Friday night because I do youth, I do church. That's really important to me. He said, if you don't come Friday night, you're on the bench, Z. Cost. Ah. So I didn't go and I was on the bench. 16, I made a decision. Or when I realized that... that, um, God had a plan for my life and um, he was calling me to celibacy until I got married, if I was going to get married. And I made a commitment at 16 I was going to do that. I told a few of my mates at school, that was literally like social suicide. <laughs> because one of, my, one of the bullies in the school got hold of that. Imagine this, 30 lads in a classroom and uh, he stands up, Kurt Devanzo. Probably never going to watch this, but, um, but if you do, bro, there's loads of love for you because I won't tell the whole story. I lost my head in that, that thing. But he said, hey, Zeke, Zeke's, Zeke's not going to have sex before he's married. He's going to be the 40-year-old virgin. Ha, 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 ha. And everyone in the room laughed. It's a cost. Wow. It did cost me as well because I did wait. And God blessed me with Ellie. And uh, it's wor- she's worth the wait. I don't know why I'm crying. But anyway, guys, a, there is a cost. I, I'm not saying that to big myself up or whatever, but there's a cost to following Jesus. And I'm convinced in the evangelical church and in, the, and in church circles, what we do is we're like, please make a commitment to Jesus. He'll make your life better. It's going to be amazing. Just put up your hand. Say a prayer, and it's going to change your life. And we talk more about that than about the cost. What will it cost? What about 16-year-old, this person? Or what about this person who's made a commitment? Suddenly there's a cost. There's a cost for following Jesus. It costs Jesus everything. So back to the passage. Wasn't that great? Thank you, Caitlin. Wonderful reader. Um, we're back in this moment, right? Jesus, Peter, like I love Peter. I identify with him the most out of all the disciples because I've got a big mouth and I, I should shut up more. And um. And so the context, just if you've read this passage, you'll know that just, just earlier, Peter became the first Christian. Did you know that? Peter was the first Christian. He was the first person in the Bible to identify Jesus as Lord. That's what a Christian is. He identifies someone who's Lord. He said, you're the Christ. And they have a moment and Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on you. And then Jesus starts talking about how he's going to have to get, die on the cross and, 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 and be resurrected. And it's like this moment where Peter's, what Jesus is saying isn't matching up with his theology. Anyone found that with the Bible? Reading the Bible? It's like, hang on a sec, that doesn't sit right with me. Did Jesus really say that? Oh, and, and Jesus is messing with Peter's theology. And we know that because Peter turns around to Jesus. And this is what I'm going to like add a bit here to the Bible. I'm not adding to the Bible. I'm just, I'm just creating like what it might have been like. And this is what I think. Jesus was saying this with his disciples and Peter like pulls him to one side. Because the Bible says he, he, he pulled at him. Now this would never happen. That You didn't do this to your rabbi. We heard this from Mike. You know, your rabbi was revered. You didn't just pull him to one side physically. It's like, don't touch me, man. I'm your rabbi. And, but Jesus, there's something about this that they're friends And Jesus probably let Peter pull him aside, pull him to one side. Now, Jesus, listen, it's all going great. I've seen you open blind eyes. I love your work. 
I love it. It's just brilliant. All the blind eyes, you fed the 5,000. Love that. I mean, Jesus, did you know what was real good? Is when you, you um, cast out that demon. Oh, that was good. When you, when you create the wine at the wedding. Oh, Jesus. Um, but the Pierre de Resistance was you walking on water. Hey, you don't need to die. You don't need to go to the cross. This isn't, come on, Jesus. You, like, and, and it says Peter was like, a, and, and, and I reckon Jesus saw red. I reckon he was, he was like, hang on a sec, this has happened to me before. When I was in the wilderness for 40 days. You know that moment where the devil comes to him as his most vulnerable moment. And he says, you don't need to like, just bow down to me, worship me. I'll sort like I can give you everything. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. And he's hearing the same words from Peter. And he turns to him and says, Get behind me, Satan. And then he goes, and so he's dealt with Peter. He's like gonna build his church on him, and then he's just like, mate, you're you're a wrong one. Um and, and, and um and I find it fascinating, really, because because he says this. And Peter will have been shocked, but then he instantly turns to he he instantly turns to his disciples and he lays it out clear. But it's interesting that sometimes, as Christians with even good intentions, we can stop people from counting the costs and try to say, "Oh, you don't need to do that. You don't need to give. You need to get a house." You need to sort your career out. And good, well-meaning, you know, Peter's good, well-meaning, but he's got no idea about the cost that Jesus would have to take. You know, it was costly for Jesus. John 10.10, for Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus speaking, I have come to give life and life in all its fullness. I love this. Romans 5.6, you see, at just the right time, doesn't say this, but I see it now that we can look back 2,000 years ago. At just the right time in history, when we we're still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Or what about Isaiah? Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah? I'm going to make you work now. We're going to work through, get, get the Bibles out. I'm old school. I'm 34, but I still believe the paper version is the best. You can flick to it. I'm taking ages to find it, longer than I thought I would. Um, Isaiah 51. Let's go there. This is just like... Imagine this, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus comes to earth. This is prophesied about him. It was costly, guys. It was so costly for him. And he saw this at that moment. And Isaiah 53, verse 3 to 7. You got it? Great. No worries. I just want to say this. Lord, I don't want this to condemn, but. Bring your Bibles to church. We're a church. This is what we do. Isn't it? It's not a slap. It's just like, we're Christians. We read this book. Believe this is the word of God. Let's feed on it. Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. 
Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep, we've gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before, his she- uh, before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. It's costly. There's always a cost at the cross. Can we say that this morning? There's always a cost at the cross. Then Jesus turns to his disciples and he lays out these three principles. And I think this is more relevant today than ever before. I'm convinced of it. This is... This has been really challenging talk to write and to think about. And to, he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. We're talking about the cost of discipleship. Mike spoke about the call. Viv, we had a little break about giving. <laughs> this, is the, this is the cost. And we'll come back with Mike at the commission. Discipleship so important. Deny self. We're living in a world that promotes the exact opposite to this. Do you feel it? Do you hear it? Do you sense it? The exact opposite to deny self. And if culture won't feed it through Instagram and Netflix and whatever the the social media thing and whatever the forum you're engaging in or workplaces or or just what we what we say like now it's like it's like just you do you. There's no right. I was in a conversation. There's no right, no wrong. Just, just, just whatever works for you. That's what's kind of, we're, we're just consuming that narrative. And if it's not spoken, it's sung to us. Here we go. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. This is, it. who's that? Elsa, frozen. But like, but all, but like, Putting jokes aside, that's what's being fed to young people. There's no right or wrong. No rules for me. I'm free. Really? I don't know if we can. Jesus just says, deny self. Uh, it's, it's mad, really, because it's, it's fascinating and scary sometimes when I think about this little device. The iPhone, if you've got something else, this isn't an iPhone app. They get loads. Like, they got loads of publicity. But, but the iPhone... This knows more about me than I know about myself. True. Your phone knows more about you than you think it does. The iPhone, where everything on this thing is just orbiting around me. It's the same for your phone. Like Your phone's doing the same thing. It, it helps your life. It's organizing everything. It's got all your preferences, all your desires, everything you want. Is on this. I don't know why. I just, it's just like, ooh. And um, it's just like, wow, this little device, it knows so much apart from God. The iPhone can't tell me how many hairs are on my head. But the Lord of heaven and earth, he knows, he's counted. That's how much he knows. He, he, before you were formed, he thought of you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. An iPhone can't do that. Some of the brightest minds have put this thing together, but it can't compete. 
We live in London. I'm going off piece. I need to like keep the time here. But I'm thinking like, I look out my window. I live in a concrete jungle. I live on the Winstanley. It's like covered in concrete. And um, I sometimes look at the trees and I'm like, we have guys coming around cutting the hedges because they can't contain what God created thousands of years ago, million, whatever you, you know. Yeah. Well, no, well we, we cut the grass back because we can't contain what God created. He spoke and it's done. We're like, we're building buildings and they just, they just fall apart. We need maintenance. This is the God. This is the, uh, the and it's funny because I was, uh, God challenged me as I was writing this and, and it was like, he said to me, Zeke, who do you consult more, this or me? Oh, man. I had to just stop and kind of like flip. Um, and then I thought of some scripture and I was thinking, of when does God kind of talk about himself? Well, there's Moses and the burning bush in Exodus. And... Um, because the, the crazy thing is, is that as I was preparing the talk as well, as, as that came, as God speaking to me about the iPhone and I this and I that. And then I thought of the word sin and sin has I in it. And I'm not a conspiracy theory but, theorist, but like sin, it like places I at the center. It's me. It's my preferences. It's my desires. It's I over anything or anyone else. I was talking to a lady on a train. I was up at Cause to Live For this weekend. Guys, if you're a young adult, you've got to get yourself to Cause to Live For next year. 20s and 30s, man, like they were worshipping like nothing before. God's doing something with that generation and, and the family of the vineyard. It's exciting. Um, and I'm talking to this lady and we start to talk about faith. And I would prayed that I would meet someone that day. So it's funny that like we got talking and faith came up and... Sin came up. She said, I just don't like that word. I said, no one does. I said, do you know what another word for sin is? She said, what? It's missing the mark. And the reality is whether you believe that we're born sinful or not, it's obvious that we can't get it right. We needed a savior. And then I just thought, I'm going to preach the gospel. I said to her, that's why Jesus came. He came to die for the sins of humanity. Do you believe that? She was like, well, I've had some interesting connections with the church. I said, but do you believe that? Sins of the world. And just people are listening. I'm thinking, I'm not going to quench this. No, no, no. And I just was like, he, he, yeah, he died and he rose again. What do you think about Jesus? Not like religion, not what you've encountered in like this or that, but Jesus. What do you think? And then I'm thinking, so I went ahead of myself and now I'm coming back. Because when God reveals himself... He says, I am. So we've got our iPhone and our I this and I that, but he says, I am. Moses says, who do I say sent me? He says, just say, say, I am. Before anything else, I was there. I am who I am, in fact. Only God can say that. That's just like, boom. I am. And then Jesus in John 8, 58 steps on the scene. What does he say? Bold statement. Truly, truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. And I think we need to get back to this. If we're going to deny ourselves, we need to realize it's about him. It's about putting honor to him. And I think, guys, worship leaders in the room, just please write more songs about him, less about us. I'm sick of singing songs about me. I know how I feel and what I think. 
I just want to sing about Jesus and the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and we lift you up and we put our eyes because like right now we're like, where do I look to? Just look to him. That's what I said to this woman. It's just follow, I just follow Jesus. He gives me a guide. He's a direction in my life. Um, it's interesting, quick question, like if you're struggling with a decision in your lifestyle, your pursuit of what do I do right now? Just ask yourself this question. Am I at the center of this decision deep down or is God? Because it will be costly if God's at the center of the question. John Stott, famous preacher and theologian, says this. Self-denial is not denying ourselves luxuries such as chocolates, cakes, cigarettes, cocktails. Everyone's like, oh, brilliant. Um, Though it may be this. Oh, okay. Oh, I won't get carried away. It is actually denying or disowning ourselves renouncing our supposed right to our own way. It's like, not my will be done, Lord, but yours over my life. And guys, this is impossible for you to live out. Newsflash, it's impossible. But a God of the impossible lives in you. His spirit. Jesus said, he said, I will send you someone that will comfort you, guide you, lead you into all truth, that will be your advocate. Isn't that amazing? You've got a guide. It's, it's not with, within the realms of impossibility to deny yourself. And we have some deep desires in us that, that Jesus just wants to say, hey, it's, it's off course. It's not what I've got to you. The second thing, number two, what was the first thing? No one even knows. Great. Um, <laughs> deny self. Jesus said three things. Very simple. Deny self. Take up your cross. Follow me. Take up your cross. This cross, and we've got one. I'm so grateful in our church we have a cross at the centerpiece. This was like crazy. 2,000 years ago, this was an insult. To die on a cross, it was an insult. It was brutal to die. It was brutal. It was painful. Slow death. A slow death. And yet the Bible says that he, he um, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So Jesus modeled this. He took up his cross. He, 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 this, on the cross, the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, were laid on him at the cross. That's why it's an empty cross. It's empty because he, he died on it. He was taken off it. And when he died on it, he defeated sin. And when he rose again, he defeated death. This is like the centerpiece of Christianity, guys. The cross will never get old. There's always a cost at the cross. And and I believe God is calling us to take up our cross, whatever that looks like, and it will be unique. It will be different for you. There was a cost at the cross for Jesus, and there's always a cost at the cross. For Jesus, his obedience to take up the cross... Uh, in, he chose to suffer and to live a life of surrender. He modeled it. Isn't it crazy that the crucifixion is like the metaphor that Jesus used for discipleship? It was more than a metaphor because he actually went and died on a cross. And the crazy thing is the people he was telling to take up the cross, they, some of them hung on a cross. Peter, he died on a cross. 
It's mad. And, and, and tradition will say that he didn't just die. He refused to be identified with the same death as his saviour. So he said, like, hang me upside down. What? That's mad. It's crazy. For these guys, it cost them their life to pass on the gospel. And we're concerned about, like, I don't know, like, other things. It's crazy. Philippians, like, I feel like I'm a bit of a wreck this morning. But it it just, when I start to think of this stuff, it just moves me. Um, in, in Philippians, oh, stop crying, see. <laughs> Philippians 2, verses are, um, 5, like it's talking about imitating Christ. Like, how do we do, how does this land for us today? Like, See, you're talking about crucifix. They don't do that anymore, praise God. Um, but it's like, in, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, the cross is a picture of Jesus actually taking it up, like denying himself. It's, there's so much. He was obedient. And God is calling us to be, to be, to be obedient. Romans 6, 6 to 7, it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him in the body ruled by sin. Uh, so, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Guys, as a Christian, you've act, you're a new creation. You're actually, you, you're, it, it's hard to get our heads around, but when Jesus died, the, our, our sinful nature died with him. And so we don't, we don't, we we no longer ruled by that nature. We've been bought at a price. It costs everything, and taking up your cross is is a huge thing for many of them following Jesus. It costs them their lives. Discipleship to Jesus should and will cost us. It it should and will cost us our faith. Don't be surprised. Like one of the notes, one of the things Mike and I talked about is like. How can we get across that it should cost us to follow Jesus? We shouldn't be surprised. You know, like, yeah, think, like just things that are happening, things that are difficult and challenging. Jesus said, be, take heart. I've overcome that. Like, you will have trouble. It will cost you. It will be difficult to follow Jesus. In a world like today, where people just say, can you, can you give us the faith stuff and the Christianity, but just leave Jesus out of it. Because he's offensive what he did was like, it was, he mocked death. I've wrestled with this, like this question, what does it actually cost me as a Christian to follow Jesus? Shared like when I was younger, but like it's cost me my time. 
Loads of my time I've just given to Jesus. Time that I could have spent doing loads of stuff that my friends have ended up going to doing. It's cost me my money. I've given loads to people. Loads. To, this isn't to brag. It just it will cost you. Um, lifestyle. Our lifestyle is different. We do things differently. You know, God spoke to Ellie to, and both of us to move on to a state. It's difficult. It's challenging. We live with challenging characters. It's hard. Like, I, 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 I haven't seen my family for five years. I haven't seen my mum in the flesh. And then you think, like, but there's a climate crisis. Should I fly? Should I leave my wife on an estate where I'm concerned sometimes about her? Like, th- these are realities, but it, it's, it costs. We want to get in it, man. Don't want to just live in a nice house with a nice neighborhood. I want to, I want to know people who are struggling. I want to, I want, um, yeah. Addiction, racism, climate justice. You know, how do we break free from addiction? It's going to cost you. You've got to get people around you. You've got to stop looking at that stuff. You've got to admit that you're struggling. If you're struggling, it's like it's going to cost you your pride. And, and I think our church, we, the church, we need to hear this stuff. We need to remember that let, let's not be surprised. The thing that broke me, you know, like I say addiction, like um, for years I was addicted to pornography. For years, even as I was ministering to young people, even as I was a youth pastor, but I could have kept it silent. The hardest thing was actually telling someone and admitting it and getting locks on my computer and doing things physically that cost me money, time, my pride. It's the, it's the worst thing when you've got to admit that you're in sin. But we don't do it enough. And now we look at it at the church globally and people are falling left, right, at center because they thought they were above it. And we're not. There's a cost. There's, there's a cross to take up, guys. And I really believe God has called all of you here because you want to make a difference. You want to live for Christ in a world that wants to deny him. And so I'm calling you. I'm in, encouraging you to take up your cross. Whatever it looks like, it will cost you. It will be costly. It will be difficult. You will get mocked. You will get laughed at. But that's cool, man. I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? This, can we just get that thing? So I, the question is, you can write this down, dwell on it. What does it cost you? Do an inventory. What does it actually cost you like to date to follow Jesus? It might inspire you. Or it might kick you up the, to like... Come on, man, I want more. There's um, that, that thing, that, that I, the Stages of Faith by Pete Scazzaro. I think this is profound. A lot of people mentioned, our life group was talking a lot about this. Like, what is the wall? Uh, guys, the wall is the cost. It's that moment where you realize you're following Jesus until it gets difficult and you've got, it's going to cost you something. That's the wall. And some of us, we hit the wall and we never, we never push through it. The wall could be like, it's, I, I can't do this, I can't say this, I can't live that out, it's impossible, or I can't give that. It's too, uh, that's for me, that's for my future, like, I can't dare, dare give that, whatever the, 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 that wall, and it's stopping you from actually journeying to become more like Christ, so that when people look at you, they see him. I was going to talk a bit more, but you get it. Follow, follow the final thing that Jesus says. 
how are we doing? I don't know where we are with time, but um, to follow, you know, following, who knows what it means, the word following? Anyone? Just chuck some things out. <laughs> okay, no one wants to say anything. The word, I didn't know this, but it actually says it. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, that's what following means, to go after someone. So if anyone would come after me, interestingly, Jesus is he's just simply saying, just follow me. This is truly what being a Christian, a little Christ, a follower of Christ is all about. Just means step by step. I don't really know where I'm going. Little by little, we're taking ground. I, I, every prayer, a powerful weapon. Strongholds come. Dominant. It's like it's like the in your light, I see light. You know who doesn't know what what the future looks like? Yeah, who's concerned about their future? Yeah, maybe maybe we're good Christians, so we're not. Yeah, some of us are. We're concerned, but in His light, I see light. Just follow Him. That's what I said to the woman on the train. I'm just following Jesus. I'm just following him and he'd love you to follow him. And she said to me at the end of the thing, she said, I've never had a conversation like this in my life about this stuff in an environment like this. She said, I haven't felt threatened by you. I haven't felt like you're trying to push something. She said, thank you. Pray for Nina, wherever she is. She lives in somewhere in London. Nina, Lord, bless Nina. Draw her to yourself. There's always a cost at the cross, but there's always a crossroads at the cost at the cross. It's that decision: do I, don't I? And and like as I wrap up, I'm confused here. Um, uh, follow. It's always a cross. Have you ever wondered why? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Another question. Um, are you guys all right? Yeah. Um, I have wondered why so many people struggle to follow Jesus with their whole lives. Have you ever wondered that? You know, like maybe you're thinking, can I give it all? Um, and there's like a really profound passage, like the, the one we just read. But Luke, Luke 9, just turn to Luke 9 and we'll finish with this. Guys, please hear what I'm saying with the grace of God. Nothing is possible without his grace, yeah? It's, this isn't legalism. This is just, it's grace, man. He loves you. He died for you. He's given you away, but it is tough. And I just want you to leave knowing that it's going to be tough. And don't be surprised about that. Because I think we have a, yeah. Anyway, Luke 9, 57. To 62. Um, The cost of following Jesus. Deny self. Take up your cross. Follow me. Verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. How many of us prayed that? I can so relate to this guy. Jesus, this is what he says to him. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Bye. Like, I don't know. That's it. Sorry, Jesus. Why are you answering in riddles? Like, it's like, what? 
Like, what did that guy go and do? I don't know, but it probably made sense to him. Because he's like, I'm just not... Anyway, I, this is... So, um, then another man. And Jesus this time said to him, Hey, follow me. Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go and bury my father. Now, that, was a, that took a year. If you study the tradition, it took a year. Burial... I, I can't remember like what I read in the commentary, really, which is really unhelpful, but it was a year process, the burial process of someone. It's like, I need a year, Jesus, in other words. And this is what he says. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So he didn't actually say, no, no, keep following me. He said, look, you, you, if, you, if you're dead, go, go deal with the dead, but actually go proclaim the gospel now. That's what I want you to do. And, and we don't know what happened to that, to that guy. We don't know either of these things. Then still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Man, these are like heavy words. He, Jesus, couldn't you just be a bit more like gracious like, couldn't you just be a bit more kind? These guys really want to follow you. Couldn't you just make it a bit easier? And then he says this illustration, but I want to illustrate this to you. Now, the hand to the plow, before they got the, the ox and the, the, the people would plow fields by hand. Has anyone ever tried to dig a hole? Is it hard? <laughs> Flipping hard. If it's hard soil, it's even harder, like soft sand, so every day, like, it's like sand. But dig, like, plow anyone who wants. So basically, it's going to be hard. But anyone who, who puts their hand to the plow and says, actually, I'm going to do this, Lord. I'm going, to, I'm going to follow you. And they put their hand to the plow and looks back, is not fit for the kingdom of God. And, and I, this, is like a, this is a prophetic picture for us today as the church and, and, and in the world. Um, so you put your hand to the plow and, and I, I'm, I'm thinking most of you probably, all of you have. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to give my life for you. But like, I've got like, uh, but my money, like, I just kind of need to hang on. Just like, wait. I, I just, um, and, and my family, like, I haven't seen them, but like, uh, um, and, and everyone else around me is like doing all this stuff. And I, I want to kind of, but like, just see, one degree, like at the start, ends up 100 degrees off. And what Jesus is saying is, if you say you're going to follow me, fix your eyes on me. Like, stick to it. All the other stuff, and I could read you loads of scripture that just confirms what I'm saying. Like, you know, um, don't worry about anything, but pray about it. Like, you know, all the, all the scriptures that might come to mind. But he's basically saying, like, don't give up, like, keep going. Fix your eyes on me, because otherwise all the other stuff will take you off course. And this is where it gets serious. So, because in that passage that we read in, in Matthew, Jesus says, because you, you might be thinking, but why? Why give my life to Jesus? Like, well, Jesus lays out at that thing. He, he shares that, those analogies. You'll find life. 
So the first reason is you'll find life. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to find their life, uh, whoever loses their life will find it. Actually, when you give your life to Jesus, when you lose your life for him, you'll actually find it. You'll find life in Jesus. You'll find purpose and meaning. You'll gain eternity. Whoa. How do I even get my head around? I'll gain eternity. And you will receive a just reward. Now, God is both father and judge. We talk loads about the father, nothing about the judge. One day, we will stand before God and Christ, the father, son, and spirit. We'll stand before him. And I don't think it will take that long. I really don't. Because it's like going to be glorious. It's going to be overwhelming. We're not going to get our iPhones out and take pictures of nothing. It's just going to be like, whoa, okay. Like, you're my father. You really love me. You, whoa, man. We see the scars and it's going to be like, whoa. And, and um, two things are going to happen. It's going to be like the father and the judge will say, I, I, I watched you. Well done. Like, well done, my son. Well done, my daughter. You, 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 you counted the cost. You, you, welcome. Like, welcome. And then it will, someone else will come and it will be like, I never knew you. Like, I didn't know you. I, I'm judging you now and it's just away from me. We, did, we didn't know. And that sounds really harsh and like, this is like a horrible way to end a talk, really, because you're just like, oh. But it's like, this is the reality. This is the reality. And, and I, I believe there is a real devil. You know, I believe there is a real enemy. There's a real, like, this stuff's real, and we get a choice. And some of you, got the Holy Spirit's actually meeting with some of you. It's giving you a conviction. Like, oh. I read the Bible. Jesus taught loads about money. He also taught loads about hell. He said, you don't want to go there. And I believe hell is a place where people end up getting what they wanted, what they pursued, what they love. What you pursue, you'll receive. What you love, you'll get given. And I just, this is what I want for my life. I want, I just want him to say, friend, you knew me. And that's all I want you to really remember. Just be his friend. Just follow him. He loves you. He knows what's best. This is a hard word. Like, we won't really talk about some of this stuff, but yeah. And so I welcome you guys to do that. You Probably you made commitments, all that kind of stuff, but just, just do you want to follow him again? Do you want to say yes to him? Yeah. So I think the best thing to do is just the Holy Spirit's here. He speaks way better than I do. I've jumbled up my words and said like different things, but he speaks clear because he's a guide and he's a comforter and he's one who will lead you into truth. And so Holy Spirit, would you just lead us into truth right now? If we're off course, if we've like, we're a degree off, just pull us back in.
we've got questions, whatever it is, Lord, bring clarity. So let's, let's just wait. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.